Welcome to the Growth Cap Podcast, where we chat with CEOs, investors, and other key industry leaders to uncover insights and strategies for accelerating growth and succeeding in business. I'm your host, RJ Lumba, Managing Partner of Growth Cap LLC. In this episode, we chat with Ken Kramer, CEO of Deep Focus, the premier creative advertising agency based out of New York City, used by the top consumer brands worldwide. I've known Ken for many years, and he is hands down one of the best in his field. We are excited to share with you our conversation with him. Thanks for tuning in, and hope you enjoy the show. So Ken, thanks so much for taking the time to, to chat with us. Really appreciate it. Maybe what we could do is just uh, kick off with a little, a little bit about yourself. Uh, you're the CEO of Deep Focus and uh, Moment Studio. And uh, uh, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about those uh, two organizations and, and your role. Sure, that's right, Eric. Thanks a lot uh, for having me. It's really a you know, pleasure to talk to you. Um, sure, yeah, I'm CEO of Deep Focus. We are a digitally focused um, advertising agency. Uh, we have been around for um, almost 15 years now, almost 15 years now, actually. Um, and, you know, Deep Focus is all about really trying to help brands connect with uh, consumers in places where they like to spend their time digitally. So uh, a lot of that these days is um, social and in distributed media like, like, like the Facebooks, Instagrams, and, um, and Twitters of the world, um, and helping brands fit into what are very unique digital cultures in those platforms. Um, most brand marketers are still not used to um, that sort of a, of a uh, format and that sort of a forum for, for getting brand messaging across, um, and that's really what our specialty is. Um, and that's kind of where Moment Studio came from. Uh, Moment Studio is a, is a part of Deep Focus. It's a unit specifically focused on creating um, social content in a nimble and um, fast way that can be uh, relevant and efficiently produced. Um, that can really help brands have a, a, a very authentic voice in, in um, social channels. Um, so my role there is obviously helping um, create an organization and an environment where great work can happen on behalf of brands. Excellent. And you've worked with uh, some of the largest well-known consumer brands. Um, is there a particular uh, project uh, that you could highlight that demonstrates the power of effective marketing communications? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we're really proud of the work we do for all of our clients. Um, you know, we have a, a, actually a, a fleet of um, clients that we've just started working with in the last six months that we're really excited about a lot of the work that's starting to uh, find its way in markets. We were recently worked with um, HBO on a number, number of their titles um, that really do a great job of um, crossing messages through, um, you know, through digital media into channels like Facebook and using exciting new, new um, live marketing tactics like Facebook Live and like um, like Instagram Stories to help uh, give, you know, events and and uh, marketing messages more dimension. So um, that's some of our favorite work that we've recently done. It was for the Night of Too Many Stars with Tom Stewart, um, and you know, partnering with HBO to, you know, to make that a big cultural moment on behalf of um, you know, on, on behalf of autism, uh, charities is really has been really a great project for us. Excellent. And it seems like you, the the brands you work with are across uh, different sectors. So not just you know consumer brands, but you could also have you know financial institutions, 
um, and, and, and you know, some of these charities, uh, does is there a big difference in how kind of you approach uh, these different verticals where the audience is, is, you know, while it's still a consumer audience, they could be, um, you know, have different kind of backgrounds and, and, uh, and demogra demographics associated with them? Yeah, there's there definitely is a difference. Um, you know, we try and take every um, every initiative we're working on with a brand um, as its own unique challenge, um, and really trying to understand if you're trying to bring some value and some interest to a consumer, to a person who's gone onto one of these social platforms or onto their phone for a very specific reason, right? To connect with a friend, to see what's going on in the world. Um, and you're planning on intercepting that task or whatever they're about to do um, with a brand message, it better be really valuable. So um, w the way we work with most brands is we start by figuring out, okay, what's going to be valuable or interesting or entertaining um, to that consumer? How are we going to help uh, fill a gap um, in their lives um, specifically? And then back out, um, an opportunity, we, call, we actually call it the human opportunity. Uh, how can we back out an opportunity um, that a brand can fulfill? So that may be one thing for a bank. Um, you know, watchword of the day is, is taxes, right? Um, given what's going on uh, politically. Um, you know, is there is there some value or utility that a bank could provide um, around the political conversations going on right now? Um, if it's a food brand or a, a CPG brand, you know, is there value in how someone can, um, you know, make a make a different, you know, meal solution for their family or, or a different beauty solution for, for their own kind of um, personal beauty goals? So there's lots of different ways um, you can use, you know, uh, sort of modern digital channels to, to sort of meet someone where they are. But um, all of it really starts with how can we help of a consumer and how can we, um, you know, fit into their world versus interrupt it. Excellent. And you're big on data and analytics. Um, mm -hmm. what, what, can, can we go into a little bit of detail on that? Like, how are you uh, using data to, you know, improve the way you, you reach audiences? Um, and then in, in turn, um, I guess, how do you use data to, to see how well you're your messages are, are are kind of penetrating through. Exactly, that's a that's a good question. There's really data has um, you know most marketers think of data as an output of their of their work, right? They see it as oh we collected this information or we reached X you know people with Y um, you know click through or or call to action achieved. Um, and that's really um, important and interesting, and we call that, you know, the management information part of data. Um, you know, it's important to be able to, um, you know, say with certainty, um, you know, what happened during a marketing initiative or a campaign. Um, but really, we think that's the third thing to think about, you know, um, if you're thinking linearly. Uh, first, we use data as an input. We try really hard, and not not all brands are ready to do this, but we try really hard to use the same data that you might use to uh, plan, manage, and execute um, a media campaign to actually inform the creative process. So, um, you know, media agencies for, for years now have done a really good job of painting an interesting picture of opportunity and of targeting for, um, for media buys 
based on the data that's 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 available through um, usually third-party data, um, but also through you know client's own data. Um, and it's really important to get that you know that targeting really accurate. But that same data really is very useful, especially if you're looking at the right kind of data at the right time, um, to actually inform your creative brief. So um, you know the same thing that could say, hey, we're going to have the most likely um, you know success with uh, this segment who exhibits these behaviors and has done these three things in the past, um, that's all inf interesting information that can shape uh, the message format and creative that you create. So we, that's the first kind of use of data that I think is, is really interesting that is um, you know, growing and useful. The second, of course, um, you see a lot in programmatic but not enough in social, um, is using data to optimize, right? Um, really knowing what uh, is working, what's not working, and doubling down on the things um, that are working. So a lot of, um, you know, currently a lot of the, this is manifesting in just optimization, which has been going on, uh, you know, for years. That's not new, but actually running concurrent tests um, on social platform of different kinds of creative, and you know optimizing that frequently enough that you're actually getting a noticeable uptick in performance. Um, what's really important to do that well that most people miss is defining, um, you know, what does success look like? What is our KPI up front? And using, um, you know, understanding what the proxies, the data proxies that are available um, that point to success in, according to that KPI um, early enough and being able to optimize based on that is, is, is extremely important. Um, and of course, in the future, and you know, we're starting to get good at that, this as an industry. Um, you know, automatically optimizing that that um, creative. So if you're learning from, let's say, you have multiple pieces of content in market, and one is outperforming at a significant um, margin, can you just, you know, either from a um, automatic or um, machine kind of machine learning kind of point of view? Can you figure out what are the what are the elements that are different than past units that are working um, and pointing to that success and integrate them into other units? Um, you know, it's a little bit. It sounds a little brave new brave new world, but um, you know, this is kind of the next you know the next phase of digital marketing. So that's how we think about data. That's how we use data. Um, data. I think the other thing I would point out is data. I think for most marketers. Um, is a is a word um, that they use but don't necessarily know what it comprises. And once you get under the hood of the kinds of data that um, is available, um, it's not nearly as um, you know as, as complicated as most people think. Got it. And now switching over into uh, e-commerce and how kind of some of the work uh, you do helps drive uh, e-commerce for for brands. Um, how is your, you know, what are some of kind of the, the, the tools you use or when you put on that hat of, of, of thinking on behalf of your client, you know, how do we, you know, drive, um, you know, as much traffic towards, you know, our e-commerce channels as possible? What, what are some of the things you, you think about? Are there kind of shifts in the way you, you know, create your content and, and, uh, uh, and, and, and kind of the mix of mediums? Uh, that you use to distribute the content? Um, yeah, definitely. I think um, what's really interesting about um, the ad industry and specifically digital is that um, you know the decision 
about what brand to consume or to uh, to purchase even um, is very is rapidly evolving, right? You know, the human decision making process isn't changing very much, but the speed and the ways in which people make decisions um, really really is changing. So, um, you know, let's take an Amazon Prime for instance. Right, um, you know, Amazon Prime has become for a lot of consumers, not you know, not all consumers, but a lot of consumers, um, whether something's available on Prime um, has become almost a first filter for some consumers, whether they recognize that or not. Um, so if they decide something, there's something they need or want, and it's not a very high, um, you know, it's not the highest priority. Like they don't have a, they don't have to cook it for dinner tonight. Um, you know, there could be, um, there really is this decision-making uh, process where when they pop open their Amazon app on their phone, if it's not one of the first three results, it may not have the same consideration level as um, as they as, as a marketer may want. Um, and that's a really complicated shift for most marketers to cope with. So, um, you know, to, to get back to your question, I think we have to think about, um, patterns and decision-making um, on behalf of consumers um, like that, like the Amazon Prime experience and like the Jet.com experience and, and how, um, and you know, the cartwheel experience and how people are, uh, what people are being um, exposed to before they go to those um, experiences to um, make them the most qualified lead possible. So, um, you know, the fundamentals of e-commerce um, haven't changed uh, beyond that, and that's that we're trying to deliver a very highly qualified lead to, um, you know, to a uh, purchase point. What has changed is the purchase point is usually now an intermediary. Um, it's not necessarily delivering, um, you know, someone to brand.com anymore. Um, and many of our clients struggle with um, a methodical way to make the decision, should I spend my media driving to an Amazon or a Jet? Um, or to my owned properties, um, and that's a tough decision to make too. So helping clients make those decisions are part of what we do, and then also creating, um, we call it very shoppable creative, so, you know, units and content that, um, you know, leave you not just with a brand message, but a product-focused message that, um, or call to action that's going to take you right to that experience and, and you know, maximize um, your ability to purchase something. So, um, you know, I saw an ad, I feel good about a brand, but not only that, um, I know what product to buy to have that brand experience. Um, and of course, this like decision-making process happens in a consumer's mind in a, in a couple of milliseconds um, or seconds versus, you know, the minutes it takes me to describe it right now. So um, that's the kind of, those are the kinds of thought processes, the kinds of tools we're trying to think about. Um, you know, your media mix definitely changes, you know, um, but it's been quite a journey to get brands to not think necessarily in a direct response way, which is how e-commerce advertising used to work, and more in a, um, you know, storytelling and shopability way. So, uh, yeah, that's a really interesting point about, you know, the kind of the power of, of Amazon and, and being listed higher up um, uh, in Amazon. Um, and so, I guess a lot of the creative work and the um, you know the content that you produce is 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 kind of that the the build up. Then it sounds like you have to work in parallel um, with the uh, content that is that you're producing, and then the content that that one might see on 
uh, Amazon, but uh, is a lot of the work you're doing kind of the build up to, to getting the consumer already bought in? Yeah, it is. I mean, there are there are different certainly shopping modes and certainly different um, decision making modes. But what um, what a model like Prime has done, and I think most consumers don't even realize this has happened, is it's actually removed the concept of a shopping cart. So you no longer have um, this need to let me, you know, have a fully considered shopping cart to decide whether or not um, it's going to be worth the shipping cost because you've taken that barrier away, right? There is no efficiency in the shipping, which in the early days of e-commerce was really important. The shipping for all intents and purposes is free. So you have a much more, um, you know, much more lubricated path to purchase um, than, um, than we used to have. So you can literally sit there and think, oh, I really need this. Before I forget, let me just purchase it. And, you know, you go to your one click and you say purchase and it's on its way. And of course, on the back end, Amazon does the, its good work of saying, okay, if there's X purchases within X, you know, Y hours, we'll lump them together and save ourselves some shipping costs. But that's on Amazon. As a consumer, you don't have to think about it. So, um, you know, to your, to your question, that is a very different shopping mode than, um, than the mode of I am going to spend some time, sit down, pop open Amazon.com and, you know, fill up a cart and, you know, what are the, you know, nine things I need, uh, you know, right now. Um, it's a very different shopping mode. So it, the onus is on um, brands and partners like us to help those brands to um, intercept people at the right point, understand what they need, um, and give them of that very, you know, lubricated frictionless path to purchase um, so that they don't get distracted by anything along the way. <laughs> Got it. And you mentioned something uh, earlier, which kind of caught my attention, uh, and and it was this concept about uh, uh, whether or not you know, as you're marketing, you're interrupting people versus yeah. um, you know, kind of providing the uh, the message uh, when when kind of a consumer is in in, in a much more, I guess, receptive uh, mood or mode. Um, and it's, uh, I guess when I first heard the term, it was uh, of interrupting people. I think it was in a Seth Godin book. But um, can, you, can you talk a little bit about that? How do you, as a brand, uh, how do you, you know, not interrupt people and, and, and have a more appealing approach? I mean, it's, it's yeah, no, that's a great question, too. It, it's not a, there's no silver bullet, unfortunately, but um, there's a few things. Um, a few philosophies and a few tactics we use. Um, you know, there's a whole um, uh, sort of area of marketing that's around a less intrusive kind of marketing. So um, everything from, you know, branded content, you know, truly branded content, like, um, you know, having product placements and, and, you know, brought to you buys and those kinds of things. Um, and they all work and they're all, they're all relevant. And, and versions of those things do work in social as well. Um, but you know the more the more affordable and the more measurable and the more um, effective ways of doing it are really like I said before understanding um, how consumers are using your platforms um, or I'm sorry are using social platforms and are using digital platforms how they use their phone um, how they use their laptop and what their mindset is when they're encountering um, 
a message from you or an opportunity that you're going to buy through an ad unit um, and making sure that, you know, the, the content is, um, or the ad is actually um, additive to their experience versus um, detractive as an interruption. Um, I could give you a great example. I've been using, I'm not going to name it because I don't want to call them out on it. Um, you know, <laughs> I've been using a weather app for years and it's been a free app and the only money they've made off me is whatever, you know, they're getting for really, I would say, low cost advertising that shows up in the app. Um, and just today they introduced sort of, as you swipe between screens, uh, video ad interstitials. And I have to tell you, like, they're full frame, you know, um, vertical mobile videos. And, you know, if I can't get um, around that ad, I'm going to be picking a new app because it's, you know, I'm in a very specific, you know, task-oriented um, uh, user journey at that moment to find out what the mm -hmm. weather is. Um, you know, today there happens to be a storm. So it's really, you know, I'm trying to see when and how the storm is coming. And no way do I want to watch a video that's for a game download. So, you know, that's a highly, highly interruptive ad um, that isn't providing any value. Now, if it provided an ad or a video experience around, you know, three things to do in preparation for a, um, for a snowstorm brought to you by Home Depot, um, I might be interested. You know, I might actually sit through it and say, wow, they know that there's this crazy snowstorm hitting my area right now. Um, I do have some, you know, latent worries in the back of my head about whether I'm prepared for this. Uh, maybe there's a good video. Um, you know, that that's the kind of difference. Um, and it's, you know, it's very hard to um, automate. It's very hard to make programmatic or buy programmatically. Um, but it is the difference between effectiveness and interruption. And I, it, that's, that's, that's helpful. Um, I, you've been doing, you've been in this field for, for quite some time. And obviously, you've seen it evolve. Um, and I'm wondering, what are, you know, and we could close out with this question. Um, maybe if you could take us uh, through a kind of a, a brief journey of kind of how, you, how you've seen uh, kind of the marketing uh, industry evolve with, with all the new technologies, and then what you're kind of most excited about, um, you know, going forward. Where do you think kind of the, uh, the industry is, is headed and, and what, what are kind of the, the new kind of the, the techniques or, or new tools that you're going to, that you think are, are going to be the most impactful? Um, sure. That's a great question. And if I knew, um, uh, the exact answer, I'd probably be, uh, you know, leading a company that does that. But, um, right. what I have seen over sort of my journey in this industry, um, is is really interesting because um, when I started, I've always been in digital marketing, but I started at an agency that um, uh, was a sort of um, an incubation of a very traditional advertising agency, um, you know, one that does uh, made its sort of name in uh, television and print advertising. So, you know, really early days stuff. Um, and, you know, really a creative force in, in the industry, and they still are. Um, and you know, being at a digital agency at a company like that um, was really super interesting because um, you learn the the fundamentals of media and creative, um, but you're also um, posed with the challenge of trying to adapt or adapt or reject those fundamentals 
given the fact that digital media and how people consume um, digital media is completely different than analog. Um, so, you know, my career has has been a an interesting um, cycle of, um, you know, helping people learn the fundamentals, but also um, helping people adapt them to new, um, adapt or change them for, for new technologies. Um, you know, never was that more uh, clear than in sort of when Web 2.0 sort of made the jump to social. Um, you know, the fact that there were super easy to use, widely available, free platforms for anybody to with, com connect with and um, communicate with anybody on almost any terms. So it was um, really interesting that um, suddenly the whole idea of paying to reach a certain consumer, which is the the, you know, the entire um, uh, proposition of media, of paid media, uh, was turned on its head, right? You know, there's this idea that you could earn your way to, um, to exposure and to reach. Um, now, quite, the models of those platforms um, have evolved quite a bit, obviously, but um, brands and marketers have had to really learn um, that they can no longer just message their way through their budget to what they want people to believe, but instead have to earn that belief through actually truth of product experience and truth in messaging. Um, and, you know, brands, we see it over and over again. Um, even new, new like, digital-only direct-to-consumer brands, uh, we see it again and again, have, have learned this over time, right? Um, you have to, you know, your product has to be good. The product has to be um, live up to its standards. It has to be, um, you know, consistent with what consumers with buying power actually want. Um, you know, you're seeing this in CPG. Nobody really wants frozen food anymore, um, or not the frozen food that maybe we grew up with any bit anyway. Um, so, you know, the the thing that I've seen that's been so interesting is that the expectation um, that you know, marketing really is the emotive extension of a brand product experience, um, no matter what, you know, channel you encounter it in, is uh, really c coming coming to bear. And brands that, you know, live that and believe that and, and do that um, are more successful than brands that, that aren't. Um, you know, looking forward, I think um, what's most exciting and interesting to me is, um, you know, the, the last year of, really two years, but the last year it really came to a head of um, coming to grips whether programmatic ad buying is really the future or not um, has been really interesting because, um, you know, the science and, you know, technology half of me wants to believe that, you know, you're really trying to buy an audience in digital. So wherever they're playing, whatever they're doing, um, as long as you could deliver that audience, it shouldn't really matter. Um, but, you know, the creative part of me understands everything I just spoke about, you know, the consumer journey and what they're actually doing. And the success of your um, marketing depends on meeting consumers on their terms. Um, so it's really interesting to see, you know, the shakeout of um, programmatic and trust and brand transparency and brand safety um, and see some of the more, um, you know, progressive brands starting to engage with um, what we call creative media, which is saying, here's a real opportunity for you to buy um, the reach with your right, your correct audience with really bespoke great content or creative that is really going to resonate. Um, you know, it's going to be more like a orchestrated experience than 
a programmatic machine-driven buy, and um, we think it's going to have better benchmarks for you. I'm sorry, better KPIs for you. So, um, you know, seeing some brands understanding that, you know, there's not a lot of shortcut left to this is really interesting. Um, and I think that's going to bring more uh, talent back to the industry. Well, Ken, thanks, uh, thanks so much for your time and, and the insights uh, you provided. I think our, our audience will, will really appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure, RJ. Thanks so much for, uh, for talking with me today.